Anyway, um, Moses wanted to know what, was, what God was like. It's a, really good, it's a really good question, isn't it? What's God like? And um, he, he lived a long time ago. Uh, so you're talking, I don't know, 1,500 or maybe even 2,000, but 1,500 years before the time of Jesus. And uh, he'd been a slave. He knew about his great, 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 whatever father, Abraham, had known God. Uh, but God's come and rescued this slave people, gone through the Red Sea, the parting of the waters, all those kind of stories that maybe you vaguely remember. Uh, and now they're at the mountain and Moses prayed, uh, show me your glory, which means show me your beauty, show me your, show me your character. I want to I know what you're like. I don't know how hungry we are to know what God's like, but uh, God answered his prayer and uh, I've been looking at that from time to time and uh, I just read it out just to refresh, refresh our memories. It's in Exodus 34 uh, verse 5 and we're just going to look at um, two uh, phrases this morning. Uh, The Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name or his character, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is which is his name, Yahweh it means, which really is it's kind of like a first name. We call, sometimes we just call God, God, but he's got a name because he's personal with us. He really he wants friendship with us. Uh, and he, he proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. And we looked at that. Slow to anger. We looked at that last time. And this is the phrase I want to look at. Abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and so on. So I just want to look this morning at those, those two phrases. Abounding in love and faithfulness. Um, De- Debbie and I have been married... Hope I get this right. 37 years? Yeah. yeah. Didn't even have to think. How about that? Uh, 37 years. And um, wh- when I said I do, and Debbie said I do, it, it, was, it, it was relational, wasn't it? It was, I, I want to enter into this relationship with you. But the truth is, it's, it was also legal. You know, we, you had to get a licence. It's on record somewhere or other. I'm fully certified as married. I can show you my marriage certificate. It it was a legal thing, but it wasn't just a legal thing. It was more than that, wasn't it? If if Debbie said, do you love me? And I said, well, I've I've got a licence. She she wouldn't be very impressed with that, would she? Of course I do. got a licence, haven't I? You know, that, that wouldn't do because it's also the relationship. And if the relationship goes... the the paper's not, not worth so much. So there's, there's, du- there's a kind of double aspect. It's a legal thing, but it's a relational thing. And, and that's what's going on with God and, and his people here. He's forming a, a, a relationship. And um, the, the, phrases, the phrases we're looking at, love and faithfulness, are, are pretty much the same as what you have in a marriage ceremony, aren't they? Will you love, on, will you be faithful as long as you live? All, all that kind of thing. That, it's very similar and they're, they're what, what theologians would call covenant words. And, and ma- marriage is pretty much the only thing like that in our culture. We have legal things and we have relationship things, but they don't usually combine. But what, what God wanted with his people was this thing called a covenant. And in the ancient um, Near East, it was, it was a promise of relationship. And there might be terms on both sides, but it was also a, a kind of legal contract if you like. God wanted an absolute kind of legal commitment to the relationship. 
Does that, does that make sense? It's a bit of a kind of foreign concept to us, but that will, that's what was going on. And the bit we've got to, when, as he describes himself, because if you're going to enter into a relationship, you want to, it's kind of wise to know what the person's like, isn't it, really? And so, so God's saying, I'm, I'm like this. I'm compassionate and I'm merciful. Uh, uh, and uh, I'm very slow to anger, which means he does get angry, but you've got to provoke him to it. It takes a long time, as the two sides we looked at last time. Uh, and then he says, I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. And that, those two words, love and faithfulness, they kind of, they kind of go together. I, I don't know what the, some people that are good at grammar can, there's a phrase for it, but when you have two phrases, that one, they both explain each other. Anyone? Anyway, you can tell me off. I'm not really that interested, but I'm sure there's a phrase for it uh, where one word explains the other. Because if you ask somebody the question, well, how, how do you show love? Sooner or later, they'll say, well, by being faithful. Wouldn't they? That, so it kind of, the being faithful thing explains the love thing. On the other hand, if you say, well, how, how do you express your faithfulness? You'd say, well, by being consistently loving. So they, they kind of inform and, uh, and add to each other. They, they ca- add up to a kind of package. And I just want to unpack them just for a few moments this morning. And the first is, it says, God is abounding in love. The Lord, our Lord. So the one we've worshipped this morning, he's abounding. Abounding is kind of huge, huge word. It means he's, he's kind of spilling over with love. It's interesting because he's slow to anger. You have to kind of really poke him to make God angry. He's really long-suffering. But, but the love, it kind of, you just poke him and it, it spurges out. He's full of love. The, the anger's there, but it, it's kind of slow and reluctant. But the love, he's spilling over with it. There's a kind of overcapacity. For those that are kind of mechanical, he's spring-loaded to love. That's, that's how it is with God. He's ready to burst from him at any time, abounding in love. And the word for love is... It's a, it's a um, Hebrew word called hesed, for those who are interested. Don't know why you would be. But it can't actually be translated into one English word. So um, in the old version of the Bible, the authorised version, it was always translated the steadfast love. Remember that phrase? It's in quite a lot of courses. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Anyway, that just shows how old I am. Anyway, so his, his steadfast love, you could translate it covenant love or unfailing love. Some older translations say his loving kindness, because there's a practical side to it as well. And uh, the New Testament says God is love. It's part of who, so it's not just something he does, you know, because we can all, you know, even a pirate can be good occasionally, you know. But he's in rebellion, but he can do loving things. But it's kind of not in his nature because he's a pirate. <laughs> Don't know where I come up with that. It's not in the notes. I just made that up. You can kind of tell. <laughs> but for God, love is just who he is. It just spills out of him. It's part of his nature. And it's the only, only character trait of God that he actually repeats in, this, in, in these verses. It says he's abounding in love. And then it says main, the next clauses maintaining love to thousands so this is he's repeating himself to drive home that truth that that God spills over with love I, I think some of us just need to receive it maybe we haven't felt very loved and that's that's a fact for, for some of us we haven't felt much love well just receive 
God's love for you personally again today. He has demonstrated it. He's demonstrated it by sending Jesus, hasn't he? God demonstrates his love in this, the Bible says. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But he's abounding in love towards you. Whatever state we may find ourselves in, whether we've, it's nothing to do with our performance, that's who he is. So we often, I think, most of our Christian life is spent unlearning wrong things about God, I reckon. <laughs> and we tend to think we only get loved by God if we deserve it. That's a tendency, and we can easily fall back. If we've, you know, if we've done something bad, then we don't deserve his love. Or if we, and then a bit later in our Christian life, we say, oh, I haven't prayed today. Maybe he loves me less. No, it's, it's who he is. He loves because he is love. He's abounding in love. He's also abounding in faithfulness. Uh, and that word, another Hebrew word, is emet, which is, the only reason I mention that is it's, it's closely related to the word amen. Emet. In fact, in Africa they say amen, rather than amen or amen. So it, it's, it's, it's basically saying he's, he's, he's yes. Interestingly, the New Testament says that about Jesus. Everything in Jesus is yes, is certain. We, so we kind of use that word in, when, when, when someone prays a prayer. Don't, you kind of say, you say, when you say amen at the end, you kind of do it because everyone else does, I know. But, but you say amen at the end, sometimes you say amen at the end because you think, I better let them know it's finished now. But, but amen really means yes or agreed, so be it, yes. That's, and that's kind of, yes, you're going to do it. And it's related to that. It's a, it's a yes. Or we, when I was um, when, I, when I was in my twenties in uh, church, I started planted in Sussex. There used to be a, re- a, a, a very old lady from the American South, and uh, she was in town. And um, uh, she would, if if she thought I'd made a good point, she'd go, "Amen." And uh, it was really it was really encouraging. Except if you weren't doing so well, she'd say, "Lord, help him." <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you kind of knew how you knew how you, you knew how you were doing, but I, <laughs> so, but I, I like the uh, I, I like the amen. She was saying it's, what she was saying was, yeah, true, yeah, that's a faithful word, that's true, and that, that's what God's saying about Himself here. I'm abounding in love, but I'm I'm abounding in true true consistency. I'm I'm a yes. I, I'm consistent. I'm faithful. You can count on me. God, our God, Yahweh, he will never let us down. And, and the truth is, we do let he, you know, the best of us sometimes let others down, don't we? I, I, I do. I don't like it when I do, but I do sometimes, and you have to apologise, it's all a bit embarrassing. We sometimes let each other down. God doesn't let us down. We may have questions about that, but he never lets us down because he's always faithful. He's spilling over with this steadfast love. You, you might say God is faithful to the bitter end. That's, that's how he is. He's committed, unbreakable love for his people. Let me read you uh, just an example from the Psalms, because uh, this phrase comes often in the Psalms. Psalm 89, verse 1 and 2. I will sing of the Lord's great love, or steadfast love, forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. That's that, that pairing again. Once you've seen it, you see it all, all through the Psalms, his love and his faithfulness. And then again in verse 28, he says, this is the Lord speaking, uh, I will maintain my love for him forever and my covenant with him will never, 
ever fail. It's love and it's faithfulness. Or verse 33 of the same uh, psalm. I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. That's our God. He's loving and he's faithful. And when people grasp that truth, it's, it's sparked thousands, literally thousands of worship songs it's, and, and poetry and service when we, when we really receive and know the love of God. And it sparks a desire so that others would know as well, doesn't it? It sparks our, when our hearts are aflame with, he really does love me and he's really never, ever going to let me down and let me go because he's faithful I want, I want other people to know that love and that faithfulness as well. So it inspires so much when we really receive it. We can rejoice in a God, can't we, who's loving and faithful. I, I couldn't rejoice in a God that was kind of really kind sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that would be, uh, you kind of think, oh, I'm going to church someday, I hope he's in a good mood. <laughs> he's always in a good mood. God, he's always, in a, he's always loving, he's always faithful. Now, I, I, I know for, for some that will raise kind of questions. Well, if God is always loving and always faithful, how, how come I've got this long-term problem? How come I'm in this difficulty? How come this tragedy happened to me? What, why, why is life sometimes unfair? And that's a huge question. I'm not sure anyone's got the full answer to that, but it's a valid question. But God is always loving and he's always faithful to his promise, to his covenant. And I, I just want to just, it's, it's not a diversion, but it's, it's, well, maybe it's a slight diversion. I just want to look at what he's promised to do, the, the big promise of, of scripture. And uh, so let's turn to Genesis 12, to Abraham, where it kind of all started, Father Abraham. Uh, and verse 2 and 3 of uh, Genesis chapter 12, where God, God makes a promise to Abraham. And uh, this is what he says. He says to Abraham, go from your country and your people, go to a land I'll show you. And then he says this, I will make you into a great nation. Uh, and he did. He had, he had a, a son who had sons, and they eventually became tribes, and then they became the nation. Uh, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. That's the whole point of being blessed, is so that you can pass it on and be a blessing to others. Uh, I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a huge promise, isn't it? <laughs> through you, Abraham. Fancy God coming to you and saying, every nation on earth is going to be blessed through you and your family. That's, an, that's what we're part of, actually. That's, that's, that's amazing. So God, God blesses this man uh, and he blesses a people and through this people, the world will be blessed. And, and then I, I want to take you now to Genesis 15 because it, it's a strange, a bit of a strange, a strange event. And it's when God makes a covenant with him. And um, it, it is a slightly strange story because God said to him, I want you to bring a, a heifer and I want you to bring a goat and I want you to bring a ram, and I want you to bring a dove, and I want you to bring a pigeon. It's kind of a strange offering to bring in our minds, different culture. And Abraham bought them, and he killed them, and he cut them in two, and he, and he put them in two lines, which is very strange. It's not the kind of thing that we do, is it, really? I mean, if we wanted to make an agreement, we'd maybe go to a solicitor. Um, but, but that's not how they did it then. They did this kind of thing in, instead. And... Um, and, uh, 
And, and then in verse 12, he says, As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. That was Egypt. They'll be enslaved and ill-treated there, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they'll come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, to the land that became Israel, um, for the sin of the Amorites hasn't reached its full measure. Uh, When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I give this land. Now, that's a kind of strange, slightly surreal, spooky event, isn't it? If you've got an imagination, it's great. Um, But so rather than going to solicitors, the way you made a a serious covenant in those days was you'd chop animals in half. If if me and Debbie were making a covenant, we'd chop some animals in half and and then we'd walk between them. We'd make our promises and we'd say, if if either of us breaks this agreement, may we we be as chopped up as them. That's basically what he's saying. So so I, I promise to keep this agreement. I promise to keep this covenant. Uh, we didn't do that at our wedding or anything. It wasn't like that, but uh, we, just, we just signed the document. But uh, that was the kind of thing that was going on. You know, I'm, I, this is a serious, serious thing. I'm making this promise. Uh, and, and God promises to bless them. He promises to give them a land. He promises the whole world will be blessed through them. And, um, and he says, that's what I'm going to do. I, I, I just promise. And... Um, the thing is, Abraham is put into a deep sleep. Now, the significance of that is he, he sees what's happening. He sees the smoke and the presence of God going through, but, but he, God walks through on his own, if you like. So, so what's going on is this. God is saying, look, even if you and your children fail to keep your side of this promise, I will still save and bless the world. And what's more, I'm going to keep my promise to bless the world, even if it kills me. Can you kind of see little, little uh, reflections of Jesus in there? That's what God's saying. I'm going, to, I'm going to bless you and your descendants. I'll put you to sleep because I'm going to do it, whatever happens. However unfaithful you are, however unreliable you are, and the rest of the Old Testament is a kind of record of the ups and downs, being faithful, messing it up, going down, getting chucked out of the land, coming back, being faithful, being unfaithful. It's just up and down like our lives are. But God says, I'm going to do it. And there's this kind of picture thousands of years before Jesus. And as I say, the rest of the Bible is the story of Abraham's descendants failing miserably to follow God, often, quite often, failing miserably, but God being faithful and keeping his promise. Why? Because he's full of love, and he's full of faithfulness. And if you read the Old Testament, some of it's kind of ex-certificate stuff. There's murder, there's idolatry, there's unfaithfulness, there's all sorts of muck and bullets. But through it all, God shines consistent and faithful. That's our God. It's a one, I know it's a strange picture, but I think it's a wonderful, wonderful picture. So I'm going to miss the next bit in my notes, and just... Let's, let's arrive at Jesus, because it's nearly Christmas. 
What, what is it all about? It, this, this birth of this baby is all about this faithful, loving God keeping his promise. He's utterly determined to love the world. God so loved the world, he sent his son. He's so faithful to that promise that Yahweh came in the flesh. This amazing, awesome, holy God comes in the flesh saying, even if it kills me, I'm going to bless the world. Do you, do, you get, do you get it? That's amazing, isn't it? Jesus came to the world, the descendant of Abraham. God is still being faithful. I'll keep my promise and I'm willing to die for it. And that's what the cross was all about, wasn't it? Jesus taking all our failures and absorbing them into ourself, into himself, suffering for us instead of us in our place, we, so, that, so that we can sleep in peace and, and he suffers to keep the promise. And he's still keeping that promise. All nations will be blessed through that descendant of Abraham, through Jesus and through Jesus' people. All nations of the world will be blessed. You see, our, our hope in the end is not based on our ability. It's based on the character of God. He's full of love and full of faithfulness. So there's always hope because God is good. It's a confident expectation that good is coming based on his character. And that's true whatever we're going through. And I don't want to minimise anybody's kind of sufferings because the world's like that. The world's broken. And, and sometimes we're a bit broken as well along with it. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes it's other people's fault. Sometimes we have no idea why we go through what we go through. But even if we take wrong turns, even if we suffer setbacks, even if we go through difficulties, God is still abounding in love and faithfulness. And you know, you say, well, what, what if I fail? Well, here's a verse for you. For those who feel you've really messed up, 2 Timothy 2, verse, I think it's 13, it might be 17, can't read my own notes. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. I love that verse, don't you? Are there times where you've broken faith with the Lord Jesus? Maybe even this week, maybe even this morning. Times where you've broken faith. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He can't disown himself. It's, it's who he is. So what's the so what? It's good to have some so what's. Well, let's trust God for the big promise. The big promise is he's going to bless the world through his son and through his people. That's, a, that's a great, isn't it? You can go out this morning thinking, God will bless, he won't bless the whole world through you, but he'll bless a bit of the world through you. You've inherited that promise. You're, you, like Abraham, you've trusted God. You've put your faith in him. He's cleansed you. He blesses the world through his people. It doesn't mean we don't have trouble. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Don't like it. Never claim that promise. But, but we will have trouble in this world. But take heart. He's overcome the world. Trust God for the big promise. It may be you've got specific promises over your life that have been delayed or you've had setbacks. Well, trust him. Weigh them carefully with others to ch check out if they're, if they're right and accurate. Life can push us to the limits, but let's trust God that he'll be loving and faithful. He keeps his promises. Let's trust him. And then, and then uh, secondly, let's be like him. God is loving and faithful. Let's, let's be imitators of God. Let's ask him. Let's ask him. Faithfulness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Along with, with love and other things. 
Let's say, Holy Spirit, I, I want to exhibit your fruit. I want to be more like you. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's him working in us to make us more like him. Let's be faithful. What, what, what's it mean to be faithful? Someone said this, it's long obedience in the same direction. What's it mean to be faithful? It means to be obedient and carry on being obedient. Long obedience in the same direction. Let's be loving and faithful. And it's not a straight line, is it? I was thinking the way God shapes our character, it's not like a microwave wheel, uh, meal, is it? You know, shove it in, five minutes later it's, it's done. It's not like that. It's more like growing a tree, shaping our characters up. It's a, it's a long-term thing, but let's allow God to work love and faithfulness. Let's be faithful in what all areas. Faithful in praying, faithful in witnessing, faithful in giving, faithful in turning up, faithful in helping and serving. Let's be faithful in our relationships as well. Be faithful. Be faithful in serving the kingdom. Say, oh, well, I'm not really very good at anything. Well, keep going. Keep serving. Keep being faithful in the same direction. I, I was reading re- recently, someone calculated that to get, to get really good at something takes 10,000 hours, which is about a decade, I think. I don't know, I'm not a mathematician. It takes, it takes a long time, so don't worry. I say, oh, I'm serving in this, but I'm not very good at it. Well, keep going, you'll get better. Honestly, we, we will. Let's be faithful in serving God and showing love to one another and to, especially to those who don't know Jesus yet. So let's, let's just pray, and I, I just want to um, just uh, ask you to ask yourself a question. And the simple question is this. Uh, where is God calling you to show love and faithfulness? Really simple question, but just think about it. Might be different things for different ones of us. But just, if you're willing, just imagine that the Lord right now is asking you that question. Where where will you show me love and faithfulness? How, how, do you sh- how do you show the love and the faithfulness of our wonderful God? Lord, we just worship you. You're amazing. Thank you for these character traits that you listed to Moses. You are beautiful, Lord, beautiful beyond all description. And we, we love you. We love your compassion. We love your mercy. We love that you're not quick to grow, anger, to grow angry, but instead you're abounding, spilling over with love and faithfulness. We just worship you. Lord, we totally rely on you being faithful. Forgive us, even maybe this week we've been in various ways unfaithful to you. Cleanse us, Lord. We, we turn away from that. So we, we submit to your lordship again. We receive your forgiveness. And we thank you that you're abounding in love and faithfulness. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that you'd increase your fruit in our lives, particularly in these two areas. We ask you, to increase in us love and faithfulness. We ask for your help in this and where we've thought of an area, an area where we can show your love, where we can be faithful. We ask specifically 
for each one of us that's thought of an area that you would help us to display you in that way, even this week, so that Jesus will be glorified. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.